0: Awesome! Hey, my name's Gavin. Um, Gavin Sledge. I usually work with the youth ministry. Um, I have the awesome opportunity to come in, hang out with y'all, and so thank y'all for that. I remember when Jacob kind of asked us. I guess it was about a month and a half ago, two months. I was like, "Yeah, that that sounds cool." You know, I actually get to have an audience that won't fall asleep, that won't like you know be passing gas all the time. Like that's exciting. I had to change some of my jokes because you know y'all's humor is a lot different from a junior high guy's humor, Um, but not too much for us guys. So. But I remember, like, that night, like, after I accepted, like, the spot, I went to sleep, and I, I don't know, sometimes just have very vivid dreams, and I had a nightmare, which, like, I don't get many nightmares, but I just remember, like, I was up here preaching, and Jacob Smith, like, busts out of the back, like, and I'm not making this up, like, floaties, like, just came back from, like, the river or something with, like, his whole crew, and just, like, lays all his stuff right here while I'm trying to preach, like, over in this corner, I'm like, dude, what's up? He's like, don't worry about, like, we'll get all of our stuff, like, we just came from the beach or something, and so like, <laughs> that has been on my mind since that day. So I'm, I noticed Jacob is not here and I really hope he doesn't come in and that doesn't happen. So it can't get that bad. It can't get as worse as that. So I'm, I'm really excited to be up here. Like I said, um, this place is very important to me. This is the place where I really put my faith in Christ uh, my freshman year. And like, I haven't been back in the building since my freshman year. So it's really cool to be back here, um, get to share some truth with y'all as we look in. So we're continuing our character studies that we've been going through um, this past month. and. We're glad to have y'all back. I hope y'all enjoyed y'all's 4th of July. I'm excited to talk about Timothy, who has just been really cool studying his life, looking at him through the Bible, and just getting to learn what it means just to be committed. I was just going through all his stories and looking at his life, and I was just trying to think, like, what was one word that I really think describes, him? what character trait, like, was really true for him, and it was commitment. I think that's something that our our generation is missing a lot of, a lot of the time. Um, We're so based off feeling, we're so based off doing what we want to do, the commitment can be hard. And so it's just really cool to look at Timothy's commitment. We're going we're gonna to break it up in three different ways I saw his commitment. It was first his commitment to follow um, as he followed Paul, as he took this commission as a disciple. And then his commitment to learn what it meant for him to center his life on God's word. And then his commitment to go out and lead, lead in the church when he was the youngest one there, um, to go and have that opportunity. So I'm excited to get to share these truths, to get to go through all this stuff with y'all. So yeah, we'll we'll jump in. So like I said, I graduated from Texas A and M, class of 2015. A whoop, yeah. Um, when I was there, I was in the core of cadets, and so I don't know are there any cadets out there? Probably not many. No, that's cool. Well, we were the guys who ran around in all the khaki that smelt bad at class. Like that was us. And So I, for the most part, enjoyed my time in the core. It definitely taught me a lot. Um, that's for sure. And so I loved it. Like I said, for the most part, um, I remember like. My freshman year when we came in, we were like freshmen in the core. I remember like the day my parents dropped me off. Everyone was so nice and sweet to us. And then my parents leave and they're like, all right, shut up. You're nobody. Like get in this room and like, I hate you. (laughs) Like, this is what I felt like. I was like, oh man, like you were my best friend and you carried my luggage in and now you could care less about me. Like this is going to be my life for the next year. And it was very much so. But that first year was so beneficial to me and so impactful Because basically what they told us is like, everything you've ever learned is garbage. Like throw that all away. We're going to teach you what it really means to be a man. We're going to teach you what it means to be a cadet. And we're going to make you the best cadet we can. And so it was dumping out all this past knowledge, dumping out all these things that I had learned and all these habits that I've built up to learn what it meant to be a cadet. And so there's people in charge of us who are sophomores um, who displayed what it meant to be a perfect freshman in the Corps and we were to replicate them. All right, we were supposed to learn from them. We had to follow them. So before I could ever be any formal leader in the Corps, I first le- had to learn what I'm meant to follow, all right? And then we also had this book that we called like the Cadence, which is this, this little nasty book we had to carry around. It was full of like all of AM's traditions, all the rules we had in the Corps, like all this nonsense stuff. But we had to carry it us twenty four seven. Like they could ask us at any point, like on a run, like we'd have to keep it like in our socks or something. Like, it would get really nasty, really sweaty. Um, but we always had to have it. We had to know every word of it, right? We had to be so centered on this thing, so deep into this knowledge because that, that was what powered like the core. It was all of our traditions. It was all of our rules. It was everything that was important to us and um, that we were centered upon was in this book. And so we had to know that. We had to be committed to learning those things so we could be a better cadet. Eventually, by the end of my freshman year, it got to the point of I was ready. I was ready to have my own freshman. I was ready to be a sophomore, to start training, Right? And I had to trust in all the things I had learned. I had to trust in all the things that had been taught to me so that I could therefore invest in someone else, invest in the next generation so they could be the best get us, so they could be better than I ever was. Right? And this is just a cycle that keeps going through the core. And that was just such a cool picture of the same thing we get to see through Timothy. As Timothy first learns from Paul what it means to follow, right, before he was ever a leader in the church, before he was anything in the church, he was first a follower. And then he had to center his life on on the Bible, on God's word to continue to grow. Eventually, all these things leading up to him leading out in the church in Ephesus. So if you have your Bible, we're going to be in Acts 16, um, the first five verses, if not. So, verse 1, it says, Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer. But his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places. For they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and the elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in their faith, and they increased in numbers daily. Awesome, feel prayer with me. Father, thanks so much for this day. Thanks for this opportunity we have, Lord, just to study your word. Um, as, we have, as we get to look at the life of Timothy, God, and all you did, Um, in his life, Lord, and and the strength and the commitment you gave him, God, um, and is ultimately grounded in his faith in you, Jesus. And so I pray that we can all be impacted by this truth, Lord, that that we let this truth reign true in our life, God, and that we can grow somehow through this week, God. And so open our eyes, open our heart to these truths, Lord, I think for each one of these students here. God, I pray and just ask you to show favor in the summer, Lord, that they can be lights, that they can continue to grow in their faith during the summer, um, as they're in College Station, and that you help them as they go into the school the year, um, come the fall. So Lord, be with us today. Um, God, speak through me. Let it not be my words. Let not my pride or my just self-doubt get in the way, God. Um, I ask your spirit, just speak through me and, and everything be glorified to you, Lord. Um, and this is ultimately your time, God, your word. God, and so we, we give this all to you. Um, Lord, and we trust you. It's your son's holy and precious name we pray, amen. Awesome, so we're gonna break down this, these first five verses, really look at what it meant for Timothy to have that, that commitment, right? So we get to see from the very beginning, like Timothy's commitment has already started. It talks in verse two how he was well-spoken of by his brothers in these different places, right? That he had this reputation already. And so you get to see before he commits to even follow Paul, that he's already committed to the Lord. He's already committed that and that the other people are seeing it. That those around us are impacted just by the life we live right now that people are looking at you and watching you, whether you believe it or not, wherever you're at, right? He wasn't in this huge leadership position. He wasn't leading any church, but he, people were watching him and he was well-spoken of, right? The decisions you make now, non-believers and believers are watching that. And that creates a reputation, which, which can cause either things to go well or things not, right? And we also see that he was a disciple. He was a student. He was committed to learning, as we'll talk about later. But like one of my favorite things we get to see about Timothy is, in verse one, it says that he was the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but he was a father, but his father was a Greek. Right? His father didn't believe in Jesus. His father was not a believer. Right? It's very different. He came from a broken home. He came from that hard background. All right, that impacted me a ton, because that was that was my life. I came from not a Christian household. My parents divorced when I was in high school. Right? But being able to see Timothy overcome that, being able to see Timothy not stopped by his circumstances, right, by the adversity he placed in his life and overcome that because he was so committed to the Lord is that was just encouraging for me, right? So knowing that your circumstances do not, you know, limit your life, all right? But then we see as he continues and Paul asks Timothy to follow him. They asked him to be one of his disciples and we see Timothy's commitment. He sacrifices a ton of things to go and follow Paul, right? He gives up his home, the place he had been raised. He leaves his family. He leaves all his friends to go and follow Paul on all the crazy adventures that Paul has. All right, but not only that, he also, decides he's going to set himself apart, right? He chooses to be sacrificed and, and goes through that, which is quite a commitment because he was so committed to his faith that he chose to be set apart, to be different, right? For others to know that, hey, I am a you know, child of God, right? But then also we get to, we're going to look at Paul just a little bit because it, I think it's important as we are committing to follow, as we're committing to, to see those people before us, to see who Paul was, and so who Paul was, I mean, Paul wrote half the New Testament. Paul was, you know, so impactful in the movement and the ministry of the gospel and so much of that nation. All right, so Timothy saw someone who he desired to be like, saw someone who was making an impact, who was serving God, and decided this is someone worth following. This is someone who's imitating Christ, my Lord, my Savior, and I'm going to follow this person because I know I can learn from them. All right, and so it, in our church service, like I said, we do you stuff. And we usually have discussion questions. So I'm not going to have you all discuss this, but I want you all to think about this. As you look at your life, as you look at you're in a great place of learning, you're in a great place and great opportunity to be in College Station where there are so many believers, right? It was so impactful for me. You know, who in your life is worthy of following? Who in your life do you desire to be like? I have a few mentors in my life. One of the guys, I just saw the way he interacts with his family. And his wife and I knew his relationship with Christ, and I was like, This is what I want. Like, I didn't know what it was like to be a husband who also loved Jesus. Like, I didn't have that. I didn't know what it was like to, have a, to be a father who also loved Jesus. And so, I now meet with this guy like once a month to, to learn from him because that's what I want my life to look like once I have a family. Right? I meet with one of our pastors once a week because I don't have it all figured out. I'm learning, I'm growing, and I don't have all the answers. And so, I admire who he is, and I know he knows a ton of the Bible, and he speaks so much life into me. So as you're looking at your life, like who in your life is worth following? Who in your life do you desire to be like? Do you desire to look like and imitate? All right, and then what does it look like for you to actually follow this person? Does it mean for you just to, to see them once a week and kind of see how they interact with other people? Like that can be beneficial, but is there, is there better ways? Is there a deeper way where you can grow in this relationship where you can have the mentor or disciple you or invest in your life? You know, I'm not, I, I know how many of the awesome college staffers are here and how great they are. Right? And that they have these college groups that are set up for y'all so y'all can learn from people who are older, who are a little you know, more mature in their faith. So there's so many opportunities that y'all have presented um, that I really challenge y'all to, to look at as y'all look at you know, growing. And so you know, we got to look at Timothy. We got to see his, first his reputation, that he was already committed to the Lord, that that was the first and most important thing in his walk. And secondly, that he was willing to sacrifice to grow. Right. And then who he chose to follow was Paul and what Paul's faith meant to him. Right, You get to see the effects of that already in verse five. It says, so the churches were strengthened in their faith and they increased in numbers daily. Just as you have these guys who are so in love with the Lord, who are willing and humble enough to, to grow from one another, that they are just impacting churches. That these churches that they are coming into are just being strengthened. Right? And so we need to learn from that. And now we're gonna talk about what it meant for um, Timothy to be committed to learning. And so if you have your Bible, we're gonna move over now to 1 Timothy chapter four. So a little background. This is obviously a letter to Timothy from Paul. Paul has left Timothy in Ephesus, which they're having a lot of issues with false teachings and people coming in and trying to change their doctrine and their beliefs um, to align with their own. And so this is Paul's encouragement to Timothy as Timothy is just kind of struggling in this area. Of he's you know, the youngest one there. He's struggling with a lot of doubt, a lot of people that are, that are preaching false words. So this is what or how Paul encourages Timothy. And so we're going to start in verse 6. And we'll go from there, 6 to 10. So it says, If you put these things before the brothers, you'll be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while body training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive because we have... Our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially for those who believe. All right, and so we get to see um, Timothy or Paul's first encouragement to Timothy. You know what it means to be a good servant of Christ is, is, you've been trained in the words of faith. Like this is what I've taught you. You know the Bible. like You've had this thing, right? And you know the doctrine. Like surround yourself, immerse yourself in this. Or that you followed in. You know Second Timothy three sixteen um, says this: All scriptures breathed out by God. And profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent equipped for every good work. Right? And so this one's hard for me, guys, because even though my job is to study the Bible, reading the Bible is hard for me sometimes. Reading is not my favorite thing to do. Right? College was extremely difficult. Like, reading those books is not fun. But it's like if I was going to pass a class, like, I had to read the book. I had to know what was coming up on the test or else... It, it wasn't going to go well, right? That was my life. A lot of ups and downs. Plots. Uh, right? Our faith is the same. Like if we desire to have a relationship with Jesus, if we desire to have a relationship with God, you can't have a relationship with someone you don't know. Right? And we have God's living word with us. We have who he is with us. And, and we'll talk about later the cycle. But right? We have to be committed to reading the scriptures. Because I just remember the benefits. So I worked a summer camp all my summers when I was in college. And there would be mornings where I just wanted to sleep in because I thought that was going to help me through the day. Because I just didn't get enough sleep and the kids were just getting on my nerves and I couldn't stand. them. like, that extra 30 minutes of sleep was going to be amazing. Right? But those days I wouldn't spend time in the word. And then I'd be shorter with my kids and I, I wouldn't be as excited. I wouldn't have that joy. But I remember like the mornings I would wake up a little earlier and spend time in God's word. Spend time resting in his truth and, and studying that. Just how much life that gave me. Which was like totally Illogical. It's like, well, I don't get it. I'm, I'm getting less sleep, and now I'm having more energy, more joy. But, like, it's just the living word of God that is, it gives us life. It speaks life into us. And so Timothy saw that, and Paul encouraged him, like, this is what's going to help you during this tough time. You have to be committed to learning. You have to be committed to my word. That is what is going to help you. That is what's going to ultimately keep you going throughout this whole time. Right? But then he goes on to say, um, in the next one, you also have to have nothing to do with a reverent silly miss, right? You have to remove yourself from these false t- teachings, right? Yes, you are investing truth into your life and you're putting this, this truth into your mind. But if you're also bringing in the lies and the false, like you're gonna have just butting heads the whole time. So we have to like cut off the lies. We have to cut those out. We have to only fill it with truth with those stuff. And so for me, for a lot of times, i meant like, I had to remove myself from like certain media stuff and certain entertainment because that has a huge effect on my thoughts and the way I think. It's just, what am I listening to? What movies am I watching? What TV shows am I watching? Are they crude? Are they you know demeaning to people? Are they hurtful? Because that's going to be completely contradicting to the truths I see in the Bible. and That wasn't beneficial for me. There's also times where it was the people I was around. There's certain times I couldn't hang out with my core buddies all the time because they were spilling so much lies into my life. and They pulled me away from the Lord that I had to remove myself from that. All right and then, we also see that he compares it to rigorous training. Right, he says for while body training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, right, as it holds promise for the present and also life to come. All right, it's hard, learning and, and it can be rigorous. It can be tiring. It can spend a lot. Right, and so like, okay, Timothy. Like, I feel like this guy like kind of high, and it's just getting like harder and harder for Timothy. It's not always enjoyable. Like, so if I was him, I'd be like, all right. So like, now what? Like, what hope do I have? What kind of motivation? Like, Paul leaves him with this. He says, for to this end, we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God who's the savior of all people, especially of those who believe, right? So we stay motivated by the gospel, right? Not by obedience. Get that clear. I feel like we run out way too fast. And the problem with so much of our culture is that we think that our relationship with God is based only and purely off obedience, Right, that my response to the gospel should just be to do good. I think that is a fruit of it, but I think it ultimately all, it all comes down to gratitude. Right, this obedience is because we are grateful, because of our gratitude of what Jesus has ultimately done. Right, that's why I can stay motivated, because I realize that I'm a broken sinner who des- desires to do completely evil. Right, and I have done, and I do not deserve a relationship with God. But Christ came down to this earth to die for my sins, all right, so then to beat death so I could have eternal life with him so that I could spend life with him, right? Someone broken and evil, given new life, given hope, given purpose. Like, that's what keeps me motivated. That's what helped Timothy during this tough time was realizing his relationship with, with God, right, it was not just off doing these things, like do, do, do. No, it's out of what ultimately Jesus has done, right? And so, as we see this, as we see this, this step of staying committed to learning, I think it kind of comes in a cycle. And so like one of the things I would always teach my, my campers is if the Bible is hard for you to read. Well, then you need to spend time in the Bible because that ultimately will solve itself. As we spend time with God, we get to know more about who God is, and that changes our heart to desire God, desire that time. Because as we flush out all these lies and we see who God really is, we learn that he is the only thing that can truly satisfy us. He's the answer to all of our depravity. So as we grow in our desire for God, then we want to know Him more. So then we spend more time with Him. It's just like this ongoing cycle. And yeah, it's hard. And yeah, you're gonna hit bumps, right? But stay motivated through gratitude. All right. So my question was that it was just like, how can you commit to learn this summer? Like, what does that look like for you? I don't know if y'all are here for summer school. Or if you're just getting ready to go to AM for the first time, I'm sure your lives are busy. But I'm sure you also have a lot of freedom. So in what ways can you commit to learn? You know, I. Y'all are here this morning. On a Sunday morning, like, you gave up that sleep. You gave up that time to be here. That is huge. I appreciate that a ton. All right, but are there other things you can do? Are there small groups? Or, like I said, is there someone you can meet with as a mentor? Or just like guys or girls you know that are friends, can you do a Bible study with them? Does it mean just you spending time, even five minutes in the Word daily, just so you can grow in that knowledge? All right. and so we got to see Timothy's, or, like, encouragement from Paul, what it meant to stay committed to learning, how our whole life should be centered on God's word, all right? And that's what brings life into us. And so now we're gonna see, just kind of one of my favorite parts, I think it's really cool for y'all, um, is what it means to be committed to lead and knowing that each one of y'all has an impact and each one of y'all can have an impact. And so I'm gonna tell y'all about a guy in my life who had a huge impact um, on me. So like I said, I worked at um, a Christian camp all my summers at Pine Cove um, up there and just absolutely loved it. Yeah, that's what i like to see. Um, it was great. It was so huge for me, my faith, and, and definitely gave and opened my eyes to ministry is the reason I'm here. Um, but there was one guy, like I think back of like, who impacted me and who led me to Christ? Um, there's, there's a few guys that all come to mind, but like this one guy is like, he's right there at the top. All right, and his name was Chancellor Davidson. And this guy was amazing. Like he had such a genuine faith and it was just like the smile that would just light up anyone's world. Um, just, you could just see the joy overflowing. And even if it was like doing like stuff he didn't want to do, because at camp there's a lot of things we don't like to do. Um, He just was always joyful, always smiling, always encouraging me. I mean, he came at a time of camp where I was having like one of the toughest cabins. Um, They all just hated each other and they were crazy. Um, And just like I was about to just lose it and give up, like ride home. Um, I was doubting myself. I was doubting God. I was just, I was tired, honestly. It was the end of summer. And I was just about to give up. And I remember just having conversations with Chance and him just encouraging me and speaking truth in my life. And so Chance had brain cancer um, for a part of his life and um, had a brain tumor before I, before I got to know him and spent like a whole year of his life in the ER, um, which is crazy for me to think about because I spent like a day or two in the ER and just absolutely hated it, like a whole year of his life. Um, was amazing. But that didn't grow doubt. Instead, that grew trust in God's sovereignty. That grew trust in God's goodness. And I remember so many of our conversations it would always point back to God's goodness, and it never came up was like, well, yeah, but I had to go through these things. No, it was just like, but God is so good. Gavin, like, this is who God is. And man, he helped me so much. And it was really cool because by like the time, my time was done with him, like he helped bring our cabin together. I remember when Chance left, like our whole cabin just crying because of this guy and the impact they had on them. He brought me hope, like I said. And then, you know, I tried to keep up with him. <clears throat> after, after camp, um, he ended up relapsing with his brain cancer. And then like two months after that died um, to go be with Jesus, which you know I love because he's away from this pain. But man, my heart hurt because this world lost such an impactor for the gospel. Such a guy who was making or changing people's lives just because of his faith. Like for chance, it was never that he was the most athletic. It wasn't that he was the most popular, that he looked a certain way. Like that's not what gave him the impact. It was none of these things. It was, he was impactful because of his faith. His impact because of the way he lived, because he realized who Jesus was, and that's what changed his life, which allowed him to change others. And so I have a, a photo of me with Chance, and so Chance is on the bottom right. And, like, so Chance was in our cabin. Chance was 13 years old. You know, here I was, a 20-year-old, thinking I had it all together, thinking that I was going to be the one who was going to change these kids' lives. I was going to be the one who pointed these kids to Jesus, and yet he left me a better man than I had ever been, right? He was the one who changed my life at 13, Right, and so there's that smile, like this kid. That was like our first day at camp, like where all the kids are super awkward and like don't know what's going on. Like he was just loving it. He's like, "Man, this is the best thing ever." Because he'd been in the hospital two months prior to that. Like he, this was his first thing to be able to do with kids his age. Right? And he just had so much love and so much joy. And so, you know, for him, like I said, it didn't matter his age. It, that that didn't matter. It was the way he lived his life, um, and that's what impacted me. That's what changed me. And so, I'm so. I think for me, like my desires for y'all is y'all are in college right now. Y'all are in such a cool opportunity and not to wait to have an impact of, well, I'm going to wait till I'm out of college. Cause that's when I can really have an impact or that's where I can really change lives. Like right now I'm just, I'm in college. And like I'm busy or, or I'm still learning or I'm still so young. Like, no, like your age does not matter. Right. If you have the Holy spirit living inside you and if your life has been changed by Christ, like you can go and make that impact. And so we're going to see that Paul gives Timothy that same encouragement so we're continuing those same verses, going from eleven on, to finish out chapter four. It says, Command and teach these things, let no one despise you for your youth. But set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, and faith and purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given to you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hand on you. Practice these things, immerse yourself in them, so you may see all your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself. And on the teaching, persist in this, for by doing so, you'll both save yourself and your hearers. All right, so what can we learn from, from Paul, right? And like I said before, when I was talking about chance, and I, and I want to say it again, that you are not limited by your age. Your age does not qualify you to have an impact, and your age does not disqualify you to have an impact. That's not what it is, right? He says it right here. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example, right? The impact we have is through our example, and so he he lists off a few things that we should set an example and that we have live by, and that will affect others. Right in speech, our words have a huge impact on how others see us. There's a the myth that sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Right, that's always out there, but that is garbage. I'm gonna just as yeah, so dumb. Right, our words do have an impact. Our words can speak truth and speak life, or like proverbs say, that they can bring death. We can build people up or we can tear them down so easy, right? So are you setting an example by your speech? Are you glorifying God by the things you're saying? Also by your conduct, right? Do we carry ourselves in a respectful manner? Do we look like Christ by the way we live? Could someone look at you and look at your life, never having talked to you and say, yeah, that guy's a believer in Jesus. I can tell, I can tell by the way he lives. His life has been changed by Christ, right? In love, 1 Corinthians 13, you know, I can prophesy, I can do all these things, I can speak in tongues, but without love, I am nothing, right? In this time of our world, our world needs love, guys. These people, we are all hurting. Love can change so much. If we can get rid of all this preconceived notions, all these perceptions we have and just love our brothers and sisters, man, the movement and the changes that can happen, right? Our faith, be able to preserve and fight joy and miss trials, Miss all these things, can we still trust in God's goodness and God's sovereignty? And can that be shown by our example and impurity? Right, our culture is so hypersexualized as sex. It's just everywhere. It's so common, it's so natural. Right? Are we walking in purity and setting example that we are set apart from the world because we know that God is good? We know that He's holding on to something better for us. Come marriage. Come that, right? So knowing that our impact comes to our, Can come through our example, through the life we live, can impact other people. Right? And then he goes on um, to say, you know, teaching others, right? Devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gifts you have, which was given you by prophecy when the Council of Elders, right? Once again, being able to speak truth, being able to speak God's word comes from first off knowing God's word. You can't speak God's word unless you know God's word, it just doesn't work. I did that on plenty of college exams thinking I knew what I was saying, but honestly knew nothing, right? And those were all my papers that got turned in with just bad grades on them. <laughs> like, Gavin, you are, yep, that's no good, right? Because I thought I knew what I was saying, but honestly, I didn't, right? Practice these things, exhort these things, speak truth into other believers, get invited or get involved in Bible studies. Those are some of the coolest times you'll have in college, I promise, As with a small group, right? Then he goes on to say, practice these things, immerse yourself in them. So you may all, So, Sorry, so that all may see your progress. Practice, not like do these things perfectly. Practice, you're not gonna be perfect. Know that there's grace in Jesus. Understand there's the grace in Jesus, but continue to practice things. Continue to be persistent, right? And then the last one he ends it off is keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. As we talked about following someone, you know, one of my favorite things and the thing that's helped me out a ton is inviting those guys that I am following into my life to keep a watch on the life I'm living, of if they're able to see any of my faults, because I have faults in all these areas, of them to be able to speak truth into my my life in those points. And having my roommates or having accountability or whatever it be, just brothers in my life who are also able to speak that truth, they're able to keep a watch on my life, right, to help me continue to live out my faith, to help me continue to be example by the, by the life I live. And so... As I wrap up, I'm gonna invite Rob and Mark back up. We're gonna sing a couple more songs if we get just to exalt God's truth in this. And so thank y'all so much for listening. I hope y'all were able to take something away as we look to the commitments. You know, as you're able to see who in your life is worth following, what does it mean for you to follow them? You know, what areas can you commit to learning? And then also, you know, be encouraged. Know that you can have an impact regardless of your age, regardless of your circumstances. If you trust and you're following Jesus and you're living in that faith, Right? So these guys are going to come on up. Thank you all so much. Cool. So real quick, um, before we sing a little bit more, can we just, um, right where we're at, just take a second and um, and just kind of pray. And, I mean, Gavin talks about, I mean, Chance was 13. And, um, I mean, you don't have to be a certain age. You don't have to graduate first. You don't have to, you know, go overseas to, to do these, you know, great things. I mean, you can – it starts right now. And Gavin said, you know, this world needs love. So let's just take a second right where we are and just pray for a few minutes and just ask God, I mean, show me. Show me what you want me to do right now, right here, this week. And uh, and then we'll jump back into worship.